0: Hello everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, you know, 420 was already taken and happy hour is happening somewhere else. We're your hosts. I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rox. So, we, uh, we got in a little bit of a, a fight, so to speak, last time there, Whiskey. Well it wouldn't be a fight, we got a disagreement of principles A disagreement of principles, I like it, that's good I have a theory about why we got a little bit, let's say, uh, augured in on our uh, in our discussion last week I have a theory, <clears throat> care to hear what it is? Should I guess? Go ahead I like people and you don't? No, <laughs> no, that's not it at all Good try though, good try um, no, my theory was, is uh, the fact that you poured wine for me, and therefore it poisoned the discussion. So I'm going to offer you an olive branch this time, and I brought out my finest Irish whiskey, so we can carry on the conversation in, in proper good order. <laughs>
1: okay, it's being moderated by Red Breast, single pot still Irish whiskey, 15 years old. Yep. Matured. Maybe it'll make us more mature. Hopefully. It's funny, I decided
0: to offer an olive branch by bringing out Fighting Whiskey. I was trying to be ironical. Okay, so, I guess, before we get started, because we should just say, <coughs> this, is, this is part two of our epic saga on, on unions. Um, I do want to clarify a couple of terms with you. Uh, the first term being... Um, we got a little bit hard line on uh, on structures and all that kind of stuff, and I ended up talking about how structures become too rigid and therefore corrupt. And you asked me a question of, like, what do you mean when you say corrupt? And when I'm talking about corrupt, I'm not talking about it necessarily in the, like, the evil maniacal villain, like a comic book villain type corrupt. I'm not thinking, I'm thinking of it more in terms of, like, a, a hard drive that's become corrupted or you know, it's like it's it's become stagnant or it's not it's not fulfilling its its original purposes.
1: And that's normal. Like most businesses go through different <clears throat> cycles. So it's not like a business is uh one way and it'll always be one way. Yeah. Consultant firms generate a lot of money by going into businesses and helping them restructure so they're more able to respond to consumer demand and their external environment. Cool.
0: <laughs> okay so my solution to any corruption that takes place in any kind of structure isn't just tear the tear the son of a bitch down it's more so to you, know, you got a, you got a problem that needs to be fixed that's all i'm that's all i'm saying when i'm getting into that but there's something that you brought up that uh has been confusing me for the last week a uh, week or so and it's you said something about lab, labor shortages and I took that to mean that there's not enough labor and therefore there's too many people. And that's why, and that, that was an issue that we're, I, I don't know. I didn't, when you say labor shortage, what is it you mean?
1: So labor shortages, so let's say I am GM and yeah. GM wants to ramp up production. Well, in the, in the Oshawa region, it has an all-time low of unemployment around 4.5%, I think I read. Okay. So typically businesses prefer if unemployment is around 7% because you can still get quality people at any given time. When you go above that, you're starting to get people that aren't of quality. Ah. So even if, even if GM wanted to ramp up production, say, let's, let's shift all production to Canada, Canada cannot handle it. It couldn't build all those cars.
0: So what you're saying, when you're saying there's a labor shortage, that means there's too many people.
1: No. Sorry, there's not enough people. There's too many jobs, too few people. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. (laughs) Just think
0: about the words. When you say the words labor shortage, what does that sound like it means? It
1: sounds like there's a shortage of a particular resource. This shortage of a resource is called people.
0: Oh, so it doesn't sound at all like it's a shortage of jobs when I hear the word labor so there's not enough jobs there's too many people but here in this situation it's not enough people too much work
1: exactly okay because the er, er,
0: <laughs> I'm glad we cleared that up
1: <laughs> so, so we can blame the in, in this in, bring it back <coughs> to the unions we can blame the unions for raising rates and, we, and all these other things but even if GM got the work, the unit doesn't have enough people to respond.
0: Wow. All right. So here's here's some good news. Um, the way that I've kind of been looking into this a little bit is that GM could have done this at a worse time. <laughs> like this whole thing of pulling manufacturing out of Oshawa could have happened during a recession. Yes. And that could have been much worse for... For G- for GM employees, it's actually not not a horrible thing. I mean, yeah, it's awful to lose your job, and it's awful for these people to lo- have to, you know, go on the job search and everything. But like you say, to kind of add on to the point about okay, so there's a labor shortage. That means there's there's lots of labor to be found for those people,
1: right? No, there's <laughs> there's there's labor is a resource. So there's lots of resource for those people. No, it's the other way around. So, there's lots of positions. <clears throat> A lot of people are hiring for them to, uh, so people can go and, and move into new, different jobs.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, Cause, cause I thought you, that's
1: what I was saying. <laughs> you said there's lots of labor for those people that are looking for jobs. It's, well, like there's lots of jobs available for those people. Now you got it. How right. does that, now you got it right. How
0: are they, how are they different? How does that,
1: how is that different? Because the people are providing the labor. So if they're providing the labor, you
0: business people in your <laughs> damn terms and your backwards speak, come on, man. Just
1: memorize the de- definition and move on, my friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, okay, okay. So that's that's actually technically good news. Um, I was going to go into a little bit, uh, a little bit more about it, but um, um, yeah. So one of the snippets that I read in one of the articles said that the current economy is also hungry for experienced white-collar workers with a wide wide range of uh, back-office experience, including lower-level managers, accountants, engineers who can transfer their skills to other businesses. Uh, they said that laid-off workers also have good prospects in the current tight labor market, while Canada's unionized automotive employees are well-paid. They are not your grandmother's kind of automo- automotive factory worker. Instead... They are skilled in such things as safety compliance, electronics, and the management of computerized machinery. So, like you said, there's there's availability in other um, in similar manufacturing jobs for these people to move. The problem is, is that they may have to move out of
1: Oshawa in order to find those jobs. Not really in that whole trifecta of area. <clears throat> I mean, all, there's a whole bunch of other auto plants. Oh yeah. So it's not like that's all there is. So as if, you, if you lose your job and you want to maintain a high rate of salary and you have to move, well, it's like everybody else in the world. But the point is, is that the jobs are there. The union didn't screw them. Um, and you say, well, the four sweeper makes a lot of money. Well, I will tell you that hiring cleaning staff is a very difficult thing to do. Because Hiring cleaning staff. Even cleaning staff. There are, there are not too many people are willing to do the work. There's, it's a very high turnover profession. And what do you mean by that? In the sense that um, people don't like doing it. People don't like scrubbing toilets. It's not on the glamour list. Yeah. So people who do that kind of work <clears throat> are typically transitory. Right. So they'll do it for a certain amount of t- time, achieve their aim. Let's say go to school or um, they're going to do it because it, it, there's, no, there's not necessarily a lot of specif- uh, special qualifications you need, depending where you are. And then they go on to do something else.
0: Now, could the same be said of somebody who wants to work or somebody who works within a, an assembly line like a plant like GM? I mean, it's not the exact same, but there is a certain monotony that takes place when you work in places like that, right? Well, certainly, but it's sort of the same with cleaning. But the difference being is that with GM, those workers are paid generally very well. And that's something that I mentioned at the... But otherwise, you're not going to keep and retain them. So you're going to lose that. Right, so that, you I don't understand. want so, okay. So that's something that a that the manufacturer, like GM itself has to take into account. It's like they don't want transitory workers because no, <coughs> no. that means retraining and all that stuff. It's, so
1: yes, yeah, so when you're in a, pr- a production plant, you're, you're going to have a bunch of certifications. Okay, so ISO nine thousand, um, women's and all those other different trade qualifications you need to be uh, uh, to meet a certain. R- production requirement. So all the cars that leave the assembly line have a certain quality to them. These quality specification require that everybody get the training. So GM invests in training that individual in order to run that floor. So if the turnover is really high, naturally the different uh, janitorial staff, for example, will turn over quite quickly. You can either choose two things. You pay them a, a cheap rate or a market rate and you hope that they're going to stay. The reality is, is that someone new comes in or someone quits, a new person comes in. So you need to overlap them, that you need to spend money to have someone do the work with them and show them how to do it. So there's there's a loss there. They're not officially productive until the training's over. So it's easier to pay them a bit more, get them to stay longer than having to do that extra training every two months, every three months.
0: Is there something in business a concept? I mean, I a lot of my education comes from television. So, um, is there a concept? It's like it's it's easier to retain uh, a current customer than it is to try and get a new customer. Yeah. Okay. So, could that is that kind of what you're um, kind of what you're implying here as well? It's like it's easier to retain. Those people and those jobs, rather than go through the
1: process of training a new individual, I would say, um, I who's I would, transitory. I would say there's parallels there, right? So because it, there's training costs, so you have a person comes in, it takes money to find them. You have a, you pay an HR department to do it, right? You pay a person to do the interview, <clears throat> you pay office expenses to get him in, do all the different testing you need to make sure that he's highly, he's re- reliable, and he can do the work. And then the training costs. So that's five costs. If you keep someone long-term, you don't pay, repay those costs. In fact, you get a dividend, and that dividend is that person invests back in the business.
0: What's a dividend? I'm, like, I've, I've heard that term thrown around so, so much, but it, I've never actually understood what it is. Well, without
1: going into a segue, what I'm trying to say here is that there's additional payoffs by having someone that stays with the business longer because now he's investing in the business. He wants to see the business succeed. So... He can, he's going to get more efficient at what he does. So there's something online line with the optimization theory. So as he does different processes, he gets faster and faster and faster on it. It becomes muscle memory. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So it's like when you play hockey and you don't have to look at the puck anymore because you know it's there. Yeah. He can do that and he can start moving quicker through the day. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. <clears throat> and his productivity goes up. <coughs> so... see, that's something I didn't take into account. Sorry to
0: interrupt you, but it's something I didn't take into account uh, when we were kind of augering in a little bit last uh, last week where, you know, you said right out front, it takes two to sign that agreement. Right. It takes two to sign that agreement between the union and, and the business to increase those people pay. And what I wasn't really taking into account. Yeah, of course, was the. Um, was the fact that GM has to factor in, well, do we want to keep these people or do we, do we want to have to hire new people every single time and do we want to pay the money for training those people in order to do that? So how much are we willing to give? Now, the, um, the argument that constantly gets put forward, though, is those, are those people overpaid for what they do given that you, know, you get into double, time and a half, and all that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, but that, that's governmental rate. Even even if they weren't part of the union, they would get time and a half over eighty hours. <clears throat> okay, but is a difference between you got time and a half if you're getting
0: paid, you know, twenty dollars an hour versus if you're getting paid no, bottom line it, thirty five dollars. It doesn't an doesn't hour. matter. It, that doesn't matter. No, it does not. matter. So that's that's the agreement that's the that happens between
1: the union and the company. Correct. Okay. So you can have different agreements. Is a is a t- is it, uh, time and a half after, um. 40 hours a week, or is it uh, time and a half after 80 hours in a two-week period? Well, who all,
0: decides that? Is that the government that decides well, that? There's an over,
1: there is an overtime rate. Right. That's Part of it is, is dictated by, some aspects are dictated by the government, the labor board, and some of it is dictated by uh, the union agreement. Okay. But you keep in mind, too, is that it, so once you're over eight hours, the risk of injury starts going up, too. So it's, it's not just...
0: Yeah, that's true. Like fatigue and all that kind of crap. So the
1: person's taking on an additional <clears throat> risk too. And they should be compensated for it. They're taking extra time away from their family. There's, there's other costs associated with it. Try and be, find a babysitter after 6 o'clock, but by the time 10, 10 o'clock rolls around, well, those rates go up ex- exponentially. So yeah. they're going to incur additional costs in order just to do the same job. Yeah. And if the company needs it, they'll pay for it or they it's, they hire more people which in, whole, involves hiring a whole new shift and then there's a whole bunch of benefits tied to hiring all this new shift so and those aren't governed by just the labor the labor rules themselves a whole new shift there's an a, there's a whole administrative layer that's associated with it
0: okay i still <laughs> i'll grant it granted it, i'll give it i'll give it to you that there's it's not just because of the union that GM has pulled out. And I, I did mention that, um, at the last episode, there's, there's multiple factors and multiple facts for why GM is pulling, uh, pulling out of, uh, pulling out of Oshawa in particular, uh, manufacturing anyway. Um, so, you know, I'm, I think I'm think I'm done and I'm beaten on that point. I think I've I've beaten that horse
1: dead. <laughs> well, these these principles extend, so it's not like just GM. So GM is the hot front. It's one we've been arguing about all week off off air. But I know. <laughs> <clears throat> so I, I I like unions have a role, but we, if we say okay, well, um, what would happen if the unions weren't there? What if they didn't evolve? And you know what, yes, all not organizations are perfect and there's systems to help get the the businesses back on track. And again, unions are business, so help get the union back on track. I think we need to really understand is uh, what brought the union in place in in the first place. It takes a vote of 51% of all personnel to get a union, for a union to to take hold. So 51% of the people need to say the business is mistreating us. That is a powerful statement. So, some companies like Costco, when they were faced with when they were were amalgamating different companies, was faced with this challenge. What Costco did says, okay, we're not going to unionize. If you guys don't unionize, we're going to give you all this, 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 and this. Right now, Costco has some of the highest wages in the industry. They have benefit the some of the best benefits in in the industry, and they view people as a, a resource. Unlike, they're,
0: unlike Walmart, which is, like, horrible from what I've exactly.
1: heard. Exactly. <laughs> but if you look at the, how Costco <clears> treats <throat> its employees as a resource, they're training Costco down. Retention's super high.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They have good management programs. They don't unionize, but they were, at the beginning, when they were amalgamating, they were a threat of unionization because some of the legacy stuff that was still there. So they spent
0: more time actually, like, looking after the welfare of their employees and like knowing and promoting like, you know, the, mm-hmm. I don't know, the well-being, I should say, of uh, of their employees, right? You're talking very sensually into the mic. You're very quiet and sensual. You're very worried about <laughs> waking. No, I'm
1: trying to be more deliberate because last time it was kind of heated.
0: Well, no, it was heated, but that's more so because of the attitude and the content of what we were saying. And I
1: had a coffee before you came. You had a coffee?
0: Is that why? Oh yeah! You've been drinking decaf all this time, and you decided to go full,
1: full hog. See, I'm see how much it affects me. Oh my fucking raging! I was tired because last week, the week before, I was yawning.
0: That's crazy! I didn't even realize. You should have told me. I thought it was because of the red wine that you gave me.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. I was like, okay, won't be so sleepy this time.
0: Mm. Okay, so unions fulfill a role, and. uh I never said they didn't, but what happens when the people who are most affected by the actions of a union um, end up becoming the union's greatest enemy? One thing we didn't touch on last week, well, we touched on it, but we didn't really expand on it too much, was Canada Post and what they've been going through. Now, granted, I sympathize with the cause I sympathize with um, the difference between uh, urban uh, postal workers and rural postal workers. Um, I sympathize with the fact that we got a new, uh, well not so much new, I guess it's kind of new, but you have all this uh, Amazon, uh, eBay, all that kind of stuff, so that means more parcels are being shipped through the postal service, which means more volume, which means heavier weight, bigger, bigger loads. Um, harder uh, for people to actually physically move this stuff, so it becomes a safety concern. Um, I sympathize with all of that. The um, the only thing I would say about the Canada Post Union um, is that it's more of a caution, and it's that they have a serious uphill battle uh, on their hands because it's not like it's not like the GM. Uh, Union. It's not like an automotive union. It's not like a teachers' union, where the people who are going to be affected by your output are like parents and children, and or people who buy cars, or like the people who are affected by your output. As far as Canada Post is concerned, are people is basically everybody in Canada, and even internationally speaking too. Um, it's anybody who needs to get communication. Sent from point a to point b if you have a bill if you are connected to any grid if you if you have a bill to pay or if you order anything online you are affected by the canada postal uh canada post union strike and so i'm just i'm not i'm not opposed to the demands um not all of them anyway but what i do what i do say is that uh they have a serious uphill battle um and in order to win that hill that that battle one of the things that Canada Post, the union, is going to have to do is they need Canadians on their side. And you touched on it at the last episode um, where uh, people not affiliated with Canada Post were blocking vans. They were blocking, um, uh, I guess, uh, transports coming out of these uh, these facilities uh, and basically acting on behalf of Canada Post. Um they were basically acting on the behalf of Canada Post after, the, after Canada Post was legislated to go back to work.
1: I think we got to bring into a couple of things to account here. So I understand what you're talking about is the external environment to Canada Post. So external environment of a business is anything that's outside what's going on. Market factors, um, you know, competition, those are external factors. So yeah, you're right. right. Their customers... And where they live and what, how they rely on the service, very important. But I think we need to keep in context what's going on inside the business. People for, are getting paid different ra- rates for different for different work. Sorry, different rates for the same kind of work. Um, and I think it was the majority of the ones that are in the urban positions are, are uh, was it male? Uh, the most of them are external or female. There is gender equality gaps within the organization. Really? And I I was just running, because I'm working on a human resources uh, course right now, and it's one of the things they are talking about. Um, I have a question about that. I mean,
0: I'm sorry to segue again. Um, When they're talking about gender inequality gaps, like in terms of pay and stuff, like uh, pay gaps and that kind of stuff, is uh, is it like, you know, two different postal workers, one being a male, one being a female, doing the same job? One, you know, the male is getting paid more than the female. Is that what they're saying is happening?
1: Yes. So but there, there, there's something interesting here. Really? So. that ta- would
0: be serious.
1: Uh, employment equity, equality. So when we're looking at, um, I got a picture. It's going to pause it for two seconds. Okay. So what well, you guys don't know, we're just, uh, we stop, we pause for a moment. And we still want to talk about the difference between equality and equity. Where equity, the definition of equity is we need to ensure that there's an equal outcome for everybody. So when we're talking about um, accommodation in the workplace, so if I have a person that's 5'5 five five and the counter is 5 feet tall, he's, his, their head's only going to stick above a little bit he's not going to be the most effective counter person. So we need to make sure that there's a counter th- so that they can perform to the same level as everybody else so they can act, get the same performance bonuses as another individual. When we talk about Canada Post and lifting things and ensuring that they can have an equal output as everybody else, then there's some other issues that are going on. Here's
0: the thing. <clears throat> From what I'm looking at this... Uh, And from what I'm understanding of the difference here. Okay, so the way I understand it is that there's two different types of equality. Okay? Um, There's equality of opportunity. And what that means is everybody has the same opportunity to succeed in any given profession, in anything that they pursue. And that's generally how Western society has Run. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had bouts of racism and bigotry and there's sexism and there's all kinds of problems that our system is plagued with. But I mean, no system is perfect. I'm not making excuses for it. I'm there's there's definitely issues with that. But I'm I'm digressing. The bottom line being, there's there's an equal opportunity for everybody to succeed, no matter who they are. The other type of uh, equality is equality of outcome. And what i'm seeing in this graphic and what i've been seeing a lot in in mainstream media um is equity is been a code name for this equality of outcome and it says no matter it doesn't matter uh the opportunities that you're afforded everybody will have the same outcome in the
1: end and i don't know if i agree with that okay so i'm going to read you the Great by canada post so this is why they're striking um, equity and pay uh, equ- equality and pay equity now. For decades, rural and suburban mail carriers, RSMCs, have performed the, wor- performed the work that is much the same as urban postal workers, but they don't receive the same compensation or treatment. So, QP- QPW has been forced to go to arbitration as part of the 19 month joint process to achieve pay equity for rural and suburban mail carriers. So they want the same pay for what they say is the same work. So rural and suburban, keep that in mind. It's still part of the cities, right? Okay. That work. Who work at Canada Post? So they so, okay, don't hear me. Okay. Two thirds of the RSMCs are women. Two thirds of them are women. They do much the same work, mostly uh, who are mostly men, uh, but receive twenty five percent less pay. Now, is it because they're women that they're receiving
0: less pay, or is it because they work in a rural area that they're receiving less pay? I,
1: r- no, and it's rural, rural over and, su- no, suburban. and suburban. Yeah,
0: okay. So my question still stands.
1: So here, and inferior treatment. They do work that requires the same or equivalent level of skill, effort, and responsibility as letter carriers. They have the same working conditions, and in some cases, they even work side by side. The only significant difference is letter carriers is gender and location. Letter carriers work in urban and suburban settings are predominantly male. RSMC's want want and deserve the same pay equity as the same rights and benefits as, as the letter carriers. Okay. I am uh, I
0: apologize if I offend anyone, but I'm going to dispense with the argument that it has anything to do with gender. Okay? Because there are going to be, you said there's two-thirds um, of those people working rural and suburban areas are women. Okay, what about that other third that are men that are getting paid the same as those women? Okay, I'm going to dispense with the argument that it's because of gender. First point. Second point, it's because of location. Okay, I can get behind that. Now, why, I, I have a question. Why would somebody who works a rural or suburban beat get paid less than somebody who works in an urban beat? That's the question I have. And I, and if the, And if the argument is true, that they should be paid the exact same as somebody who works in an urban... Uh, and an urban carry, uh urban beat, or whatever—I'm fully behind that. I fully support that. Or if they're doing the same kind of work, absolutely, they should be getting the same kind of pay, regardless of
1: whether they're a man or woman. You just agree with a union.
0: Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I never like—I've I've never been anti-union. I got a question for you, but it's going to be like—it's going to be later. But it's it's more to do with structures and bureaucracies and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, I'm I'm getting off topic here. So, am I making sense when I'm saying that? Like, I don't think it's because they're women. I think it's there's something to do with the location. Like they're getting paid less because they work in a in a rural or suburban. But they work the same. They do the same work. That's what they're there's saying. A different they, location. Yeah, that's what they're saying they're doing. And I want to know why the why canada post or whoever governed that decision i i i'm i'm actually genuinely curious as to why the pay would be different and i don't know there's no answer for it okay so no one's presented another another side of this okay so that's something we got to keep an eye out for first of all but second of all i'm supporting the union in this case that according to them they're doing the same level of work as those people in work in the urban
1: beats Therefore, they should get the same pay as those people. The only thing I can see is the evolution of the early mail carrier because the guys are working in the field, women are dropping their kids off at school, traditional roles. Yeah. Oh, I can pass that mail on for you. That's no problem. Formalize the yeah. role. I'm dropping off mail. Well, I mean, statistically
0: so, speaking, men are more likely to work outside. Men are more li- likely to um, travel uh, to go and find work. Uh, they're more, le- more likely to go and find more dangerous jobs. I mean that's
1: just that's that's how it is. I wouldn't say fine maybe just more willing to do dangerous jobs yeah there's, there's not fine, there. but yes do <laughs> so long uh, as the pay is worth it right like how many
0: how many people do you see uh, how many women do you go and see uh, laying pipe in uh, in Alberta um, working working with the oil rigs right there's they're, 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 I'm not exist. saying they don't exist I'm saying. By and large, the majority of the people working in those places are men because they're dangerous jobs. They're far away from, like,
1: you're, you're going there to work at an oil rig and really nothing else. Um, and Men don't mind. More men are more risk-taking. Yes. And they don't mind working solitude. It comes down to how they view it. And I'm not limiting genders in any shape. It's what people are willing to do and willing mm-hmm. to take on. So, but... Having worked with men, that's how they are, and I work with some women, and that's how they are, and that's my observation. So, but again, I'm not limiting in any shape or form.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, And and if it were the case that you know, pound for pound, two people doing the exact same job, one's a man, one's a woman, and the man was getting paid, say. You know, or the woman was getting paid seventy cents for every dollar the man was making. Absolutely, that would be bullshit, and that would be unfair. But a lot of the cases, that that's the common argument that's put forward about gender uh, pay inequality,
1: and it's not the case. That is not, simply not the case. So I want to put something else out there, mainly because pe- people say, "Well, what's equity versus equality?" Um, when we talk about, okay, well, if a man has a, a man has a particular output. You can have a short man and a tall man, and their outputs are going to be different depending on the job. Yes. So if it's crawling in tight spaces, well, that little guy is probably going to do a heck of a lot better job. Yeah. If he's a big guy, he, he's not going to have it be as efficient. Okay, so. So let me finish here. Okay. <clears throat> My point is, we, we talk about genders and how we can look at equality of outcome if it's the equivalent playing field. So if we can get small adaptation and tools t- to make the, the output the same, it's in a business's interest to do it, not just pay someone less because they could have the potential to do more. So if one sledgehammer, if you need an extra long sledgehammer or an extra short sledgehammer to make the output go higher, well, it's easier just to cut off the end of the handle.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But I think where I, I kind of get... You know, that's one thing making, I guess, making adjustments or amenities to increase efficiency for all people, of different skill levels. But you're talking about a different you're talking about labor that, you know, many people can do right. A, like a, a good majority of people can do. But when it comes to other things like, you know, let's take hockey, for example. You know, um, I can play hockey. Wayne Gretzky can play hockey. I can not play hockey. What's that? I can't play hockey. <laughs> you can. You just, not well. <laughs> I can play hockey. Wayne Gretzky can play hockey. But you never see me. Like, I, there are things that some men can do that not all men can do.
1: Yeah, but the, when you look at the outcomes, so you guys got all the same things. You had all the same opportunity to do it. It's, it's, it's a, that's a little bit different. What I'm talking about is when you have person A Joe Blow, person A Joe Blow from the street, Susan Blow from the street, um, and you give them jobs, and then you give them the same uh, performance criteria for output. Okay, but the problem is, is that uh, they're truck drivers, and one person has to get out and adjust all the mirrors every time she touches the truck because she's shorter. There's you're inducing inefficiencies because she's not the same size and shape. There's things here. So the perfect example, I think, would be... I don't
0: know if I can sympathize with that. <laughs> it's just like, just...
1: No, I, these, I, these things are real because they are industrial processes. But likewise, the
0: guy who has to readjust the mirror because of the short person sitting in there, it's the, I mean... i giving you an the, example. The
1: shoe fits on the other foot too, right? Yes. When we're talking about output and the adaptations that someone has to do every time they get into a job, they matter. Um, a movie with a mathematician, the was when NASA was launching their space shuttle. It was a bunch of black women. They were mathematicians working in the computer department. and they're going to I can't remember the movie movie name.
0: I know what the movie you're talking about yet, but i can't I can't remember the name of it either.
1: The point is is that in that movie, because she was a woman and she was black, they made her go to the colored bathroom. okay mm-hmm. They knew they were inducing inefficiencies in her job simply based on her race.
0: Well yeah, they didn't they didn't give a shit about efficiencies or anything like that. they cared more about the racism.
1: yeah and they weren't yeah. expected to, but it's they the still the
0: same thing when go, Alan Turing saved the entire planet for uh, during the course of the Second World War. And they ostracized him and kicked him out because he was gay.
1: Yes, but what happened? What I'm trying to say to you is that there's inducing they're inducing inefficiencies, just because whatever size and shape she was. Then they said, "Fuck it, just go to the bathroom. Like, don't make a big deal. Just go to the bathroom. Anybody has a problem, talk to me." So, they understood the value of what she could bring without the inefficiencies.
0: So, what you're I think what you're getting at is that. There's a business case to be made that there's actually no room in business practices to be racist, to be a bigot, to D- be discriminatory. Discriminatory. It, Although you should be able to discriminate people on the basis of their merit, right? On their ability to perform at a given job. Because if they can't even perform at a job,
1: we need to be able to get rid of those people. There's mechanisms to fire them. Okay. And you do? I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. You're not making the mustard. No. But there's there's termination pay. There's different benefits. Of, but there's, there's people that would take issue with that. There's a cost. There's a hatred of competence. No, I wouldn't say that. I think there's a little bit of that. If you're incompetent and you can't do the job, there's termination procedures. But some people will, as soon as they,
0: they get a whiff that people are accusing them of being a co- incompetent, they'll play the victim card and they say, oh, it's because I'm black. Or, oh, it's because I'm gay. Or, oh,
1: it's because of... There's, there's ways around this. So... I'm it, just saying, people no, no, play no. the victim card all I the have time. Had, I've had to deal with this. Okay. Okay? Oh, I'm old. And you're penalizing me. Or I can't do this because X, Y, and Z. The point is is that once you look at labor code, uh, uh, an employer doesn't need a reason to fire somebody. Really? No. Okay. You need a reason to withhold termination pay and severance pay. Okay. So if you want to fire them, you pay the bill, termination pay, have a nice day. <clears throat> We're done. Then they can't fight it. Right.
0: So what does that mean then? Like, like obviously, they need a reason. So why do they need a reason for uh, canceling termination and severance pay?
1: Why do they need a reason? For gross negligence and theft. So I think it's designed to protect employers in case someone's stealing from you. Oh. And they're not become two-time losers for firing somebody.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. But what does that have to do with... All of this. like Well, you talk about
1: performance and weight. You, you're, you brought up uh, if someone's not doing the job, the companies need a way of getting rid of them. And I brought up, yes, there is a way. And there's benefits and consequences of each way you terminate somebody.
0: But is there not? I thought there was something about there's legislation out there now that you can't fire somebody on the basis of their, you know, sex, gender. Uh, race or, you know, sexual proclivity, all that kind of crap. Like you, you can't. No, you can't. I know you can't. But if you're firing somebody um, and you don't need a reason to fire them and then they come and say, oh, you're firing me because of uh, because I'm, you know, transgender or I'm or I'm, you know, whatever, then what does that mean for the employer? Now they have to provide reasons for why they fired you or what? Sure. Okay, and, so yeah. something's not adding up here. No, it does. It, it does. But I if mean, you, whether if you, it's if legitimate you, or not, I think I'm arguing more from the point of view of instances where it's not legitimate, where the fired individual is just playing the victim card so that they that way they can escape being
1: fired on the basis of their merit. And frivolous lawsuits is a problem everywhere. Um, but ultimately, is if you're not happy with their work, you document that you're not happy with their work. Mm. And move on with life. So that's a recommendation for employers. Yes. Okay. But you pay them the termination pay, and you follow the labor code, you're fine. Okay. So, equality versus equity.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, can you go back to the other screen? Oh, go back to the other screen. What other screen? Maybe one day we'll be sp- sponsored by Microsoft. Maybe. We will not have to pay for all this stuff ourselves. Like, I want to go back to here? Is this it? Yeah, go to one. Oh, day. this one. Okay, so...
0: Um, we got back into. Uh, we'll go back here a little bit. Um, back to um, Canada Post and how I mentioned that they have a serious uphill battle. Uh, I'm. I can't remember if you actually responded to that or not.
1: Well, I did because you said you were talking about how. Well, let me put a summary point in for later on right here. Yeah. So we summarize our points. Saying, um, yeah, organizations do fall out of sync of their mandate or what they intend to do, and they need to be streamlined. To deliver the services they're supposed to, and yeah. unions support their 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 membership, hmm. and then for businesses to avoid and alleviate some of the bureaucracy.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a point that I kind of got hardlined on a bit last time was when we we kept going back to like how are they not fulfilling their mandates? Like, and it's the same lines of like, what do you mean when you're talking about when an organization becomes corrupt? well, well like same thing. Like what I'm getting at is is uh, I'm not talking about if an organization or a structure or anything becomes corrupt, that it needs to be completely dismantled. It's like, no, it just needs to be fixed, whether that means it needs new leadership or you need to innovate a bit or... Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I agree. So we talk about labor shortages. That means when the economy is firing all cylinders, there is more positions available than there are workers. Right. Okay. Right now we're seeing that... Still confusing as fuck. (laughs) We're seeing that in eastern Ontario. Yeah. Um, and Tesla's talking about buying the GM plant, but I don't know who, who's going to staff it with. Yeah. So, which is good for innovations. He just
0: bailed out of that, uh, Elon Musk just bailed out on that tunnel under LA that he was going to build, I heard.
1: <laughs> well, whatever. But yeah. anyways, <laughs> um, and then we talk about, you know, there's, there's work there for the GM employees, if they want to shift and move to a different plant, it's the same union. So it's easier to find work because yeah. the union actually finds the positions for you. Oh, great. Because when I was part of a local <clears> 101 <throat> in Winnipeg, that's what they did. So Canada Post, there is some discrimination going on or pay equity issues in Canada Post that the union is trying to resolve. Okay. Explains why there are people trying to back them. So it's interesting to play out uh, or to see how Canada Post plays out. Um, and if they're going to resolve these issues, ultimately package and parcels is on the rise. Canada post needs to rejig itself to become more efficient.
0: Oh yeah. Like uh, Amazon, like all the stuff that's coming out of Amazon where you can get your delivery done within like two days. Like it's nuts. Just think about how many of those are going through their system on like a daily basis. And, you as a Canada Post worker have to lift all that crap from door to door or...
1: Most of my boxes are three
0: quarters empty anyway. Yeah, I know. I know that. But like some of the stuff can be pretty heavy but it's also... There's also costs associated with it transporting in a truck or anything like that too, right? You pay for it. You're paying for that. I ordered a more piano. Volume. More volume means more weight, means more fuel spent on transporting that crap across yeah, the
1: country. It's all proportional costs. It's how they structure themselves. And I did order a piano one time. Oh. <laughs> Um, so employment rates we talk about the historical lows it'd be interesting to see maybe when next unemployment cycle uh, Tesla does come in pick up the short because we're cheaper than Americans when it comes to dollar for dollar um, come in get the 30% discount to make all his, his new cars
0: here help yourself my friend
1: okay uh, and then uh, organizational strategies to avoid unions like Costco did it there's other people um, had another case there ASG but if workers are satisfied with their employer there's no way for the union can come in they need 51 percent in order for the union to come in so if employers are not advocating for their employees you're breeding the ground for a union to come in
0: that sounds like some kind of a leadership principle almost it certainly is <laughs>
1: okay and yes there's different kind of mediations and mediators that we, we to come in to fix these things yeah so unions are good they have their place they only have a place when the when the employers are mistreating the employees. And I agree. Anything else you want to talk about?
0: (laughs) If I, if I start saying my bullshit again, we'll just get into another uh, feedback loop and it'll, it'll, it'll uh, dissuade our listeners from ever actually wanting to listen to us anymore. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, I got nothing else. (laughs) How long have we been recording? 50 minutes. 50? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's not bad for like a part 2. Yeah, we don't drag. We it did have we did have like quite a bit of a pause there, but I think we did okay.
1: Yeah, put your plug in. This will be a 45-minute.
0: I'm pretty uh I'm I'm satisfied with the terms. Are you satisfied <laughs> with the terms? We didn't even need a mediator. <laughs> we'll sign. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Until next week, this is Whiskey. And I'm Rox. See you next week.
0: Hey, everybody. Rox here. I just want to take a moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of Whiskey and Rox. We're currently on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube, and we're continuously looking for more ways to expand. As well, you can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell all your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more 320 Club.